Praise the Lord, everyone. Pastor Ryan Johnson here. The core of our message will be found in the belly of the fish, not before the belly, not beyond the belly, but right in the very digestive tract of a Leviathan, because it is there that we find the prophet Jonah delivering one of the most profound prayers in the Bible. There are many excellent prayers in scripture, from the blessing that Moses instructs to the prayer of Jehoshaphat. A whole lot of Job is in conversation with God. Daniel prays an interesting prayer in Daniel chapters 8, 9, and 10. Uh, Habakkuk prays for Israel. David prays for repentance. And Jesus, of course, teaches us to pray in the Gospels. But Jonah, in my recent studies, I've come to appreciate Jonah because here in the final stages of Earth's sin-filled history, I mean, right now, in our times of distress, the prayer of Jonah resonates with me, resonates with all of us, really, because we can identify with a church member, a man of God, a woman of God, yeah, a little imperfect, a bit messed up, but now at the very worst point in his walk with God, down in the bowels of the beast, in the middle of depression, in, I don't know, a financial crisis, um, in a marital crisis, seeing the signs of the times swiftly unfolding and being a little bit overwhelmed, I'm talking about Jonah. I'm talking about us. And we shall see what the Lord has to say in today's message that is titled, God's Way Out is the Right Way Out. Sing this little song with me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Our Father and our God in heaven, Lord, I ask that you would firstly hide Ryan. Let us not see Ryan or hear from him, but would you yourself come and speak to us, Lord. Speak to us as we examine how much better it is to take your way rather than our own, especially in these times of deep decision-making. Lord, this is what we ask. In thy holy name we pray, amen and amen. Before we examine Jonah at his lowest moment, before we look at his struggle, let's take time to appreciate who Jonah was. Jonah is one of what we like to call the minor prophets, and these include Hosea and Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, 
Zechariah, Malachi, and of course, Jonah. Jonah is known for being the prophet who did not want to do what God said do, didn't want to go where God said go, and this is true. But I hate to judge a person by their single worst point in life, you know? There are qualities to Jonah. In fact, Jesus himself compares himself to Jonah. Do you know that? In Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 4, let's tell that story right quick. The Bible says that some Pharisees and Sadducees had come to tempt Jesus, you know, trying to trip him up. And this is kind of funny because Pharisees and Sadducees didn't even get along and stuff, but they could come together because of a common hatred for Jesus. I've seen that a lot. You ever seen that? People forming friendship and bonds over a common dislike for stuff they see in the church. Mm. But they came together and they made a plan to trick Jesus. And they were like, okay, teamwork on three. One, two, three, teamwork, let's go. And then the Bible picks up the narrative. This is what it says. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he, Jesus answered and said unto them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Jesus is saying that all of the scriptural evidence of my divinity, Jesus talking, is right there before you. Plus, he says, I cast out demons, I heal the sick, the brokenhearted, but you still want a sign. He goes on to say, a wicked and adulterous nation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, look at this, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And Jesus left them, dropped the mic. He departed. And before I go on, you want to know what I've learned in my time in ministry? Without the Holy Spirit, there is no amount of evidence. There is no sign that can convince a person of their unrighteousness. Did lightning from heaven convert the prophets of Baal? No, sure didn't. And Jesus says that a wicked and adulterous, now adulterous can mean false doctrine, it can mean idolatry, being away from Christ, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign and the only sign they get is the sign of Jonas. Okay, well who's Jonas? Jonas is Greek for Jonah just as Elias in Matthew 27 and Luke 4 is Greek for Elijah and Jeremiah in Matthew chapter 16 is Jeremiah. Well, look at how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12 verses 38 to 41, it says, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus compares himself to Jonah. And we'll look at that a little more closely later. But if Jesus compares himself to Jonah, then what other lessons can we learn from Jonah? I mean, really.
Who was this guy? We've all heard the story of Nineveh and, and the story of the fish and all of that. But, but Jonah was a prophet in Israel. Jonah's boss was God. He worked for the Lord. If we look at Jonah chapter one and verses one and two, we read this. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. A lot of parallels here between this and the three angels' message, but that's a sermon for another time. But here's something that I've talked about before. Toward the beginning of many of the prophetic books, you will see that the prophet is qualified by this sentence. The word of the Lord came unto. The word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came unto Haggai. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, for Jonah was certainly a prophet. And God gave him the work of a prophet. Go and preach an evangelistic crusade in Nineveh. Go, preacher. But let's put this in terms of the word of the Lord. What is the job of a prophet? Is a prophet just supposed to say bad things are going to happen? Behold, horrible things shall happen unto thee. I don't know. There shall be road construction on all of your driving routes, even in your driveway or or everybody in your family is going to catch the chicken pots. Ha ha ha. Is that a prophet's job? Some of us may think so because prophets often have difficult messages. But I want you to look at what God says to Moses, who was a prophet. In Exodus chapter four, what is the job of a prophet? Look at verse 11. It says, and the Lord said unto him, that's Moses, who hath made man's mouth or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go. You see that? He gave him a ministry, a, a, a commission, just like he gave to Jonah. Go, God says to Moses, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. I'm going to tell you what to say. The job of the prophet is to hear the word of the Lord and then deliver the word of the Lord. Elijah delivered the word unto Ahab. John the Baptist delivered it to the Jews in preparation for Jesus. And here, Jonah is told to deliver the word of the Lord to Nineveh. The word came to Jonah and the word said, go. And this is one reason why Jonah's refusal to preach in Nineveh was so rebellious. Because a prophet has one job, deliver the word of the Lord, and he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go. But hold on, friends. Let's not take it there yet. Because my daddy always taught me, before we can appreciate a person at their lowest, we should take time to learn who they are. This was not Jonah's first call to the ministry, you know. God had used Jonah before. Jonah was a well-known prophet during the reign of the Israelite king, 
Jeroboam ben Joash, son of Joash, king of the northern kingdom of Israel. We're talking about Jonah having been in ministry before. Tell you what, let's read a passage found in 2 Kings chapter 14. Look at this, where the Bible is talking about an evil king named Jeroboam, son of Joash. Now, we won't go into the details of that story, but just, just, just check this out. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria and reigned 40 and 1 years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. This is definitely a bad dude. But look at this next part. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to, here's that phrase, the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gathifer. Ha! Couple of things to learn here. Amittai was a prophet, and Jonah, his son, was a prophet. Jonah had spoken the word of the Lord to Jeroboam, the second of Israel. He had prophesied that if Jeroboam would lead a military campaign, a war, to restore the borders of Israel from Hamath, that's modern Syria, all the way down to the Sea of Arabah, then God's word declared that he would be victorious. So the prophet told the king and the king did that and that's what happened. This is what the Bible is referring to and it was Jonah. Jonah was the prophet here in Kings delivering the word to Israel. Well, you say, that's some fine talk there, preacher. But how do we know that this Jonah mentioned in 2 Kings is the same Jonah of the book of Jonah? I mean, there could be a whole lot of Jonas in history. Look at how many Marys there are. Okay. Let's look at the scripture again, shall we? Second Kings 14, verse 25. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai. And now let's look again at Jonah, the book of Jonah, chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. Both Jonahs are the son of a man named Amittai, the Jonah of second Kings, and even the Jonas spoken of by Jesus, along with the Jonah of the great fish in the book of Jonah are all the same man. We're learning who Jonah is. Jonah is not just fish food. Jonah is a prophet to Israel. And he is the son of Amittai. Amittai is a name derived from the Hebrew word emet, which means my truth or 
truth. So Jonah is the son of truth. But let's look even further. So the name Amittai means truth. But what does Jonah mean? Jonah comes from the Hebrew Jonas, which means dove. Amittai means truth. Jonah or Jonas means dove. Now, a dove can represent peace, but look at this. Look at this. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes into the water and then it says in verses 15 and 16, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water and lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a what? descending like a dove verse 17 and lo a voice the word of the lord from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased look at that in scripture the dove represents the holy spirit and it brings the word of the lord so if the dove can represent the spirit and Jonah, Jonah, literally means dove. And if Jonah is Amittai's son, and Amittai means truth, then Jonah, son of Amittai, literally means spirit of truth. Jesus says in John chapter four that God's people worship him in spirit and in truth. And Jonah via the spirit bringing the truth to the people of Nineveh. No, Jonah was not God, not even, not even. But we can see how the story of Jonah can be used to illustrate the mission of Jesus. And we can understand why Jesus compares himself to Jonah when they ask him for a sign. Who knew that the gospel story could be found in the tale of a man and a fish? Hmm. But here's the last bit in learning who Jonah may have been. Now, what I'm about to tell you is not found verse for verse in scripture. It is the result of people analyzing the scripture and history and language. And full disclosure, not everybody agrees because of the timeline. But the first time I heard what I'm about to tell you, I was two years old and Pastor Sandy Harbor was preaching about Jonah in Michigan at the Midland SDA Church. It turns out that in Jewish literature, there's a legend, there's a myth. Let me tell you a little story. You've heard this before. Elijah the prophet had foretold that due to its sinfulness, there would be no rain on Israel. And during this time, God sustains Elijah by feeding him via the ravens and giving him water from the brook. Cherith. And when the brook dried up, God sent Elijah to a widow, husband was dead, 
who used her last bit of oil and her last bit of flour meal to feed the man of God. And as a result, she never ran out of oil or flour. Every time she went to the pot, there was enough in there for the day. Now the widow, the widow had one son and that son fell ill and he died. Remember this story? You can read all of this in 1 Kings chapter 17. And when the boy died, the widow cried unto Elijah. Now, let's pick up the story in scripture. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee? O thou man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And Elijah said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom. She was holding him close. Can you imagine her grief? She'd already lost her husband. Now she's lost her son. Elijah takes the boy from her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid the boy upon his own bed. Well, Elijah takes the boy and stretches over him and begs the Lord to raise him. And God, who is the source of all life, raises the boy in verse 22. Amen and amen. But now look closely. Elijah brings the risen boy to his mother. Verse 23. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, see thy son liveth. Now listen to what the mother says in reply. Verse 24. And the woman the widow says to Elijah, Now, by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Hmm. Now you might say, okay, big deal. She's convinced now, I would be too, that Elijah is a true prophet. Okay. But, but remember the oil? Remember the meal, the flour that never ran out? Remember all the other things? She already knew that Elijah was a prophet. So let me repeat her words, but put a little emphasis on one. Now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth, Elijah, is truth. When you... Speak the word, Elijah. The result is truth. What an odd thing to say. Until you remember that the boy had just been raised from the dead. So the raising of the boy brought truth? What if the boy's father's name had been truth? What if the boy's father's name had been Amittai? And that by bringing back the boy 
via the word of the Lord, the generational line of a dead prophet named Truth was returned. What I'm saying is, what if Jonah was that little boy? And many believe that he was. And yes, some disagree. But what a wonderful thing to contemplate. Jonah, the boy raised from the dead by the word of the Lord, who then goes on to be a preacher. God, having ordained Jonah's life from the time he was a little boy, called into the ministry via Elijah the prophet. Oh, I can identify. You know, I was officially brought into the ministry by a godly preacher. I was brought back from the brink of the dead. So this story talks to me. I can identify with a man like Jonah who can look back over his life and see how the hand of God was guiding him, moving him to be exactly who he is, when he is, where he is. What about you? Can you see how God brought you to where you are? And where is that, I wonder? Where is it that the Almighty has brought you? Well, for Jonah, in his book, Jonah, chapter 1, and verse 1, and verse 2, that place is right at his home where the word of the Lord that same word which had seen him through so much, which had never failed him before, comes to him saying, Arise, preacher, and go to Nineveh. Nineveh was an Assyrian capital. And the Assyrians were not friends of the Jews. Actually, they were at war with the Jews. They were enemies. It was Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, who would invade Judah in 2 Chronicles 32. The Assyrians destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. These are not friends we're talking about. And God says, go, run an evangelistic crusade for the enemy. What would happen to Jonah's reputation as a prophet? What would the other Jewish preachers think of him fraternizing with the non-Jews? How would they accept him when he got back to church? Come on, folks. When he sat down in paradise after bringing the message of redemption to the non-church members. And worse, what if God forgave the enemy? You with me, Parump? Those sinners. What if God forgave them on Jonah's watch? Can you imagine trying to explain to your church brothers and sisters how you were the one who God used to save the enemy, the ones who scare us, the ones who look funny, the ones who hate us? Jonah, the man so loved by God, saw the path that God was leading him down and Jonah wanted a way out. Hey, 
You ever see where God is leading you? You ever see how God is wooing you? You ever look at the changes God wants you to make in your life, in your house? You ever notice the church office God wants you to take, the apology God wants you to make, and you think to yourself, uh-uh, Lord, I need another way out. I need a side exit. I need you to hit the eject button on this situation. My way out. Jonah did. Look, something had to be done. One way or another, Nineveh needed a prophet and Jonah could either go through it with God or run from it by himself. He could choose his own path to get out. But friends, God's way out is the right way out. And now we move quickly, getting to the fish, getting to the fish. Nineveh was northeast by land. But Jonah in chapter one, verse three, goes to Joppa in the south and then catches a ship to Tarshish in the west. The complete opposite of what God said do. Why is it that when we choose our own way, it's often the complete opposite of what God wants. God says up, we go down. God says left, we go right. God said preach, we start cursing. God says be a kind and loving Christian. And, and we, we but imagine Jonah at the port of Joppa, about to cross the threshold onto the ship. Here the choice is plain. Here he is with two choices. Turn back Jonah and trust the word of the Lord or step on that ship and take your own way out. But rather than God's way, Jonah chooses his own way and they set sail over troubled waters. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. The wind, the waves, the tempest. This is a very familiar scene in scripture. Noah in the ark, Israel crossing amidst the divided sea, Israel crossing the Jordan, Elijah in the rain, Daniel in the vision of Daniel 7, Jesus on the lake, Paul in the ship, the Christians in persecution, our fight for religious liberty, praying amidst the pandemic, God's people fighting the waters of strife. A storm comes out that almost breaks the boat, breaks the vessel, and all because Jonah wouldn't preach. Hmm. Because there's Nineveh, and now there's these sailors. How many people would have to die because God's prophet refused to preach the truth? Whew. There's a sermon in there somewhere. But God's way out is the right way out. And I'd like you to notice something. Yes, there was a mighty gale. Yes, the driving torrent, rain coming in sideways. Yes, 
It threatened their lives. Yes, the boat was creaking and screaming under the forces of the waves. But look at verse four again. Look again. It says the Lord sent out a great wind. God didn't send the water. God sent the wind. Just like in Exodus, in the parting of the Red Sea, there was a wind from the east. <laughs> Just like Daniel chapter 7, the wind stirred the waters. And if Jonah had taken God's way out, Jonah wouldn't have been on the water to begin with. And I wonder what positive effect the wind would have had in his life. But why, you ask? Why bother, Jehovah? Why? Why can't you just get somebody else to preach, God? Why send the wind anyway? And my answer to you can be found in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, not die, but have everlasting life. God is willing to give everything, do anything to save his children. And Jonah was running away, leaving the fold, leaving the church, and God was gone. Going after his child. Just like God will go after you. Just like God <laughs> came after me, found us in our sin, right in the midst of our rebellion, and stops us from going our own way. Because his way out is the right way out. If you continue reading, you will see that the sailors, the ship crew, seeing their death coming, they cast lots and the lot falls on Jonah. Hmm. Verse eight. Then they said unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is your occupation and whence cometh thou and what is thy country and of what people art thou? They ask him and now the preacher in the prophet wakes up. The prophet starts evangelizing in the storm. Yes. And he says unto them, I am a Hebrew. I am a seventh day Adventist Christian and I fear the Lord God of heaven, which made the dry land, which made the sea. Yes. Yes, Jonah, preach, preacher. Yes, paradise. Yes, Pahrump. That's our job. Preaching in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the waves, because the nations, the races, the people are in tumult. But God, thank him, is still in the wind. God is still in control. And we got to preach the truth. <laughs> Got to preach. But here's another one of those choices. My way out. Versus God's way out. Jonah should have said, now turn this ship around right now. I repent. I will serve. I will go with the wind. I choose God's way. I choose the right way. And if he had done this, the waves would have ceased because they would no longer have been going against God.
That was the right thing to do. But Jonah says in verse 12, take me up and cast me into the sea. I would rather die. <laughs> you know, I've been at the bedside of failing patients coming up on their last breath and they say, I'd rather die than pray. Oh yeah. Is that you? Oh mercy Lord, is that me? Are we that determined to take our own way out? Well, the sailors hope they wouldn't have to, but they wind up throwing Jonah overboard. And when they do, a great revival takes place on the boat. <laughs> when the waves cease, they began to worship the God of heaven. God had his way on the boat. But Jonah has been cast into the depths. Jonah is now left to the fate that he has chosen. We've been there. We've done that. But I'd like to read Psalms 139. Listen to this. Verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Even when we are at our worst, God is there leading and pleading. Jonah would serve God above the waters, but how would he do beneath the waters? Verse 17 of Jonah 1. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God was in the wind. God was in the fish. And now with all of the distractions out of the way, unable to go anywhere, to do anything, Jonah can get to know his God. You know, sometimes the Lord has to lead us to a place where we can focus on him. <laughs> when it's just us and him. And all of chapter two of Jonah is the prayer of Jonah who not only prays, but prophesies about Jesus, the Messiah, from the fish. This is a prophet getting back to work. Listen to the crucifixion language here. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hadst cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. 
Verse five, the waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. You know, Jesus went to the lowest depths for us. Our sins were laid atop him. We placed reeds around his head. And three days he lay in the heart of the earth. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says it was a great fish that swallowed Jonah. And many have wondered what kind of fish. There are several theories, but my favorite theory, it's not the one I agree with, but it's my favorite, is that it was actually a great white shark that ate Jonah because great whites are known to swallow things whole and sometimes they vomit them out. Or, or maybe it was a megalodon. Now the megalodon is the huge granddaddy of the great white. It is now extinct. But the Bible says there was seaweed in there. Plus, Jesus calls it a whale in the Gospels. We always have to go with what Jesus says. But regardless, I would like you to see something here. Our way versus God's way. Jonah wanted to die, but God saved him. Our way versus God's way. There are two ways out of a fish. Think about it. Please don't make me draw a picture. Just think about what I'm saying here. There's Jonah's way out. And then there's God's way out. Listen, listen. There are two ways out of all of our conundrums. There's our way out and there's God's way out. And believe me, God's way out is the right way out. And that's the answer to everything. All of our questions. How are we going to reopen the churches? God's way out. How are we going to handle the trouble in our nation? God's way. Our marriages. God's way. Our home situations. God's way. Our finances. God's way. Our broken relationships. God's way. Our Sabbath issues. God's way. God's way. God's way. Because God's way out. His path. His direction. Is the right way. And going God's way. We have confidence. Of his deliverance. If he has to bust down the doors to a prison, or if it is his coming in the clouds of glory, when we are on the path God intended, we can have confidence of his deliverance. And Jonah knew it. And that is why in the belly of the fish, in the stinking, dank, ugly, dark of a fish's digestive tract, unable to see the light Jonah chose God's way. He said, I repent and I will go. And after choosing God's way, he could say with confidence, I am cast out of thy sight, but I will look again toward thy holy temple. God will save. God will deliver. God will answer.
answer. I have chosen God and I will come out the right way. Because God's way out is the right way out. And when we choose along the will of God, things will come out right. Our Father and our God in heaven. Lord, we don't close a sermon without giving someone an opportunity. They want to choose your way, your path. Guide them, Lord. Lead them, Lord. Save them, Lord. Save us. And give us the wisdom to choose the right way. Your way. And when it's all said and done, let us be together at the welcome table on the sea of glass and around your throne. This is what we ask in thy mighty name. Let everyone who is watching say, Amen and Amen. Oh, God is so good, friends. May he bless you. And as always, be encouraged. <laughs>